0: for everybody gentiles and jews alike and this whole idea this concept of of tree family tree it's kind of a big deal and of you got your dna done did you pay for that yeah because you because know, you, you want to know right who who am i and what's what am what's my family tree what is that connection or if you haven't if you've gone on ancestry.com we tried the free trial for a couple of weeks we had ancestry and I was just, just exploring back there. Yeah, British, 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 British. Oh, a Swiss guy. Oh, good. That's a little bit, little bit of difference in there. A little, little bit interesting. But we are a product of our past. In, any Downton Abbey fans in here? Anybody? Come on, come on. C- confess. I want to see a hand. It's a PBS miniseries. You didn't watch Downton Abbey? The whole show about Downton Abbey, One of the, one of the biggest plots of it, it was... The Earl of Grantham, he has this big, incredible estate. And who gets to inherit it? They have all these complicated versions of who the heir is going to be. Has to be a male, has to be from this side of the family, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Matthew Crawley, one of the main, main characters in the story, is this guy who's kind of bumbling through life, just kind of doing his thing, working in town. And he gets a letter in the mail that says, You are the third cousin once removed. Your great, great grandfather was the youngest son of the Earl of Grantham and we've traced your lineage down all the way to, you need to understand that you are the heir of the entire estate. So he just turned around one day and went, wow, being, being a relative of the right person is really powerful. And it it, it, is, it is inherent. It's not something you just, oh, I, I think I'll choose to be somebody's relative. You can't do that. How, how do we... How do we figure out where people have come from? We have birth certificates. What's a birth certificate? That means there was an eyewitness when you came out the shoot that you are connected with this person and it happened on this day, and, or we get, now, now we're more sophisticated. We have DNA testing, we can actually do that. But we, we, we want to know where our connection is. The human family tree is something that God created. It's Christmas season. So we're all getting ready to go back to our families, right? Some of which we don't see all year long, but for some reason I'm wandering aimlessly through Walmart because I owe them a gift. Why? They're blood, they're family. So family really matters. Uh, ho- hopefully it will continue to matter, even though our culture attacks it in many ways. But God created families and family trees. So God created Adam and then God created Eve. And... He wanted them to marry and he wanted them to copulate and procreate and be fruitful and multiply so with adam and eve became family and from the very beginning in the first chapters of genesis we have these long genealogies aren't they the most boring passages in all the bible these long genealogies why does god care so much about who begat who and who begat the next person and because tracing this lineage is very important to God. It's very important to God's word. And so they were fruitful and multiplied, and so we have this enormous family tree that God has created through flesh and blood relations. God's idea. It's a huge deal. Which, by the way, just parenthetically, when we go down this, it's why divorce is such a huge deal. Because God cares about these things. When you, when you become one, you're now grafted together as part of this tree. That's why the scriptures, does, the scriptures do say that God, God hates divorce. And the whole idea of redefining how this all works, God, uh, whether, whether it's same-sex marriage or there, there is a way that God has created us. And as we walk in that, we're blessed and truly really important tonight i want to take this idea that god in his creation creates all this incredible nature around us that we marvel at all the time so this idea of growth and branches and then god creates human family trees but then there's also this idea of a spiritual family tree that you're a part of i hope hope you have bibles tonight we're going to do some bible study tonight i would encourage you to grab your bible if you have one Um, We're going to start in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, so let's go all the way back to the beginning. We have Adam and Eve, and they have a family. It's kind of dysfunctional because their first two kids. One kills the other. It's not a great way to start a family. But uh, we have Cain and Abel, and then we have have up to the days of Noah, and then there's a massive judgment of mankind, which brings us back to eight adults, out of which we have yet another big family tree that grows. So a massive pruning job by God early on in the, in the, in the Noah flood. But then as it expands, we get to Genesis chapter 11. And I'm not going to actually read the text, but you, most of you know the story. It's the story of the Tower of Babel where the people of post-flood were all in one place on the plain of Shinar, and they were getting technologically advanced. They were building towers. And God said... They're getting so good, nothing's going to be impossible for them. Because I love them and I don't want them to banish themselves to a godless eternity, I'm, I'm instead going to disperse them across the world and multiply their languages. God created nations all over the planet in Genesis chapter 11. Right after that, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls a man named Abraham, or at that time his name was Abram near the plain of Shinar, near where the Tower of Babel was. But it says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. So he's making reference right there to the fact that you've got a physical family tree, but I'm doing something else with you. So I want you to go from them, and I'll make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow. Then in Genesis chapter 17, five chapters later, Abram's thinking, okay, God's going to somehow use me to bless the whole world. And then God reintroduces physical family tree is a means by which he's going to do that which is quite a shock to 99 year old abram at this point in genesis 17 verse 4 it says behold my covenant is with you god speaking to abraham and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations okay how are you going to do that i'm 99 years old verse 6 it says i will make you exceedingly fruitful And I'll make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. As for you, you shall keep my covenant. Oh, down to verse 9. As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. God said, down to verse 15, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, I'll bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Now bless her and she shall become nations. Okay. Any 90-year-old women in here tonight? Can you imagine God saying, you will become nations? A little late for that. They're both thinking, which is why their son Isaac was named Isaac, which means laughter, because they laughed when God said, this is what's going to happen. And they laughed out loud, so God said, why don't you just name your kid laughter? because you're laughing at me right now. Um, uh, She'll become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Verse 19, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So you see that God has this intention from the very beginning. Interesting plan. He creates (laughs) families from the beginning, Then he takes this one big human family, scatters it to nations all over the world, and then God selects one man, pulls him from his nations, and says, I'm going to make a nation out of you, and from your physical offspring, I'm going to bless all of these nations that I just scattered all over the world. God's up to something. Abraham, Isaac, who's after Isaac? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who's later renamed Israel and his 12 sons create the 12 tribes of Israel, and we've got all kinds of genealogies in the Old Testament because God cares a lot about who came from which one of these tribes, and are all these tribes legit? And it's going to become even more important as the rest of salvation history unfolds. I'm going to fast forward in light of time. So we've got these 12 tribes of Israel, and one of the tribes is the tribe of Benjamin, and out of the tribe of Benjamin comes this family of Jesse. And it's at a time when Israel is needing a good king and the prophet Samuel comes along and anoints the youngest son of Jesse's family, a guy named David, you're going to become the king of Israel. But not only are you going to become the king of Israel, but as, remember that from the scripture reading earlier, David's lineage, David's family tree, someone is going to be sitting on the throne of Israel forever and ever from David's line. And so now David's line has become super important. Abraham's was really important. These 12 tribes were important, especially Benjamin. But now out of the root of Jesse comes David. And now David, God says, God will rule through this line forever. How do you rule forever? That's a long time, forever. I mean, some sort of eternal answer is going to come out of David? This is all... I find this all very interesting, so... If if you're not with me, I can't help you. But I'm, I'm, I just, uh, so out of this tree, King David in 1 Samuel, from David's line, the Messiah is going to come. That's what we come to understand later in the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11, which we just read, said, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. The stump of Jesse's family, a shoot, some kind of a shoot is going to come out of that lineage. In verse 10, in that day, the root of Jesse, of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. Again, speaking, somebody who's going to come from David's line is going to be this very important figure. How important? Jeremiah 33, which we've also just read. Verse 14 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. that goes all the way back to the times of Jacob this is a big promise in those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely and this is the name by which he will be called the Lord is our righteousness who's he talking about there I think you probably know for thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. So in the Old Testament, during the days of the prophet, they are longing for the Messiah. They're longing for this branch to come out of the, out of the root of Jesse and become for us all of this, someone who's going to execute justice, be that great king that David was, but like King David 2.0, he's even going to be better, and it's, somehow it's going to last forever. There's an eternal plan for this nation that God has created from the 12 tribes of Israel. That's why when we finally get to the New Testament and the coming of the Messiah, we hear these words all the time. Joseph and Mary were from the line of David. If you look at the genealogies in the books of Matthew and the books of Luke, you'll notice that one of them is the genealogy of Mary. One of them is the genealogy of Joseph. They both come from the tribe of David. They both... They trace, or they do Ancestry.com, and they trace them all the way back to David. It's really important that that be true of the Messiah. It says in, uh, well, Linus says this in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Born this day in the city of David, why did Joseph have to go to Bethlehem? Because that was David's city, because he was from the lineage of David. That's so important it's so important that jesus himself ends up being connected with the line of david what's the first verse in the new testament uh let's see it's matthew 1 1 anyone know what it is the book this is this is profound when you think about the big picture the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham you see that This is the mysterious branch that Jesus is. He goes all the way back to the lineage of David, but David comes out of that package of the 12 tribes of Israel, which goes back to Jacob and goes back to Isaac and goes all the way back to Abraham and Genesis 12 where it says, all nations are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. And that's Christ. Is that the coolest thing? I just think it's so cool. Now, um the apostle Paul does a deep dive into this in three different places and we're going to take a look at each one of them. The first one is in Galatians chapter 3. So Paul's talking to these these churches in uh what in our world today it's contemporary Turkey that uh, had been planted and Paul had a good relationship with these these folks and he's trying to explain to them this reality of what their salvation means. Um Well, let's just read it in in, uh, verse 7 of chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The Apostle Paul gets this. Okay, this is Christianity now. This isn't all that Jewish stuff, right? No, no, this is very important. Because that is salvation for the world. All the way back from Adam and Eve and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel and the line of David through the prophets and the coming of Messiah. This is all God's plan for the world. And you want to make sure that you're connected to all this. Because in order to be saved, can I say this? In order to be saved eternally, you have to be a child of Abraham. Because that's the plan. Jesus was a child of Abraham. Jesus was the fulfillment of that Abrahamic promise. So Paul's taking a moment here. Let me explain how you and Abraham connect because this is important for you. It is the, those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Now, good Jews would say, no, 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 sons of Abraham are circumcised Jews from the physical family tree lineage. That's why Jews had such a hard time letting any Gentiles get saved by Yahweh. He's our God. Jesus said, no, I'm here to bless all the nations. Didn't you read Genesis 12? Through Abraham, all nations are going to be blessed. By faith, who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith, that's us now, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Martin Luther would step in right now and go, that's right. By grace, through faith, you are saved. Sola fide. Faith connects you all the way back to that Abrahamic promise. He goes on in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. It's interesting that the branch actually gets crucified on a tree and is cursed because he's on a tree All these metaphors get crossed up here. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the... Now, what's going to be our mark of this? So that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Oh, the Holy Spirit. That's right. In in the Gospel of John, it says, he who has the Spirit has life. He who does not have the Spirit does not have life. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have God himself living in you that's why jesus in john 3 said you can't even see the kingdom of god much less enter the kingdom of god unless you're born again by the spirit we're born again of water yes you know like like physical but we're also born of the spirit that's what being saved is all about it's that spiritual rebirth that is the fruit of this this ministry of abraham Verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Your offspring is Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. And for Abraham, the fulfillment of all of his promises and dreams was to be found in Jesus. Down to verse 26. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of god through faith okay now we're really talking about the family tree because now we're now he's using this language that we're actually sons and daughters of god connected so i get that all those genealogies physical genealogies of the jews all through the old testament but now are we also a part of a genealogy yeah we're sons and daughters of god too we're connected as family in christ jesus you are all sons of god through faith for as many of you as are were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Love this. Heirs according to the promise. And here's where Matthew Crawley from Downton Abbey comes in for us too. We're heirs. Do you want to know for sure that you are an heir? If you've got something coming to you, what do we have coming to us in Christ? Are you sure you're an heir? How do you become an heir? By faith, receiving the Holy Spirit, then we become children of God. So, Romans 11, we read it already. Going to jump over there. The Apostle Paul had this to say in Romans chapter 11, verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, he's talking there about Jews who rejected Jesus. So they're like branches of the tree, but they've been broken off because they wouldn't believe in Jesus. And you, although a wild olive shoot from some plant over there across the the plain, you were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. So this is God using this image of taking you and grafting you in. Because you've got to be a part of this tree that God has planted, out of which the branch of Jesus. And now we're grafted, literally grafted into that branch so that we too can live. Don't be arrogant towards those branches. If you are, remember it is, it is not you who support the root, but that root now supports you. Then you'll say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand through what? Through faith. By faith, we're grafted into the tree and we can live forever. Then in verse 24, if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, Contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more could God, even for those branches that were broken off through unbelief, get those branches grafted in again? The key here, though, is we've got to be grafted into this tree, this mysterious tree. One last section. This is is the real fun stuff. This is the weepy, makes you feel so good about God. Uh, In Romans chapter 8, using the motif of a literal tree Now he's talking about the family tree and adoption into the family of God. So in verse 17, he says, you, you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, or we say, Daddy, Dada. I mean, we have a tender relationship like a physical father and son with our heavenly father now. The Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Because if God is our Father, who's our brother? Jesus. We're fellow heirs with Jesus. How much do you think Jesus is going to get in the deal, in the will? By the way, you know, our Bible is called a testament, like a last will and testament. That's what the Bible is. It's like the legal papers about our inheritance. It is the testament of God to us because we're children of God. Down to verse 19. The creation waits, all of creation, because all the way back here to to Adam and Eve and the beginning and that sin in Genesis chapter 3, all of the world has been broken ever since. And all of creation, not just the human beings, but all of created order, even these trees, which are so miraculous, and, and they're all yearning. It says, "Creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God." Who's that? That's us. What do you mean, the revealing of us? In Colossians chapter three, the apostle Paul says, "We don't even know who we're gonna be, but when Jesus returns." we're going to meet ourselves. You're going to find out who you really are, who God has crafted you to be. When you're completely redeemed, you're going to be awesome. Beyond what you could even imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And God has not just prepared golden streets and harps and stuff like that in heaven. He's he's prepared a you, a glorified you, that's going to be beyond what you can imagine. So great. The creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain, listen to this, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. All of creation just can't wait to see what God's gonna make of you and it's gonna be so glorious That they're going to be able to share in that glory just like we share in the glory of God the Father when all things are finished. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit right? So we have the Spirit. That's why we know that we're part of this family tree. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. Sons and daughters. The redemption of our bodies. For in this Hope we are saved. That's Advent. That's who we are as Christians. Do you... I get so tired of clicking on a TV and hearing some prosperity gospel teacher say, here's what Christianity is. God just wants you to have a bunch of stuff, so make your prayer list like he's a big Santa, and make your prayers and get all your stuff and God will bless your life. It's the American dream with a little side of God. This picture, biblically, this mysterious branch that we have been grafted into, or not, hopefully the answer is yes, that you've been grafted into this branch. This this is who we are now. So how do I live my life? I wake up and I'm in a world that is under the bondage of sin, and any moment is going to be restored to incredible glory. I'm gonna be restored and it's gonna be restored and that is what matters. The Apostle Paul was so gripped by this, he goes, I have got to share this gospel with people because if they have been saved into this hope, into this longing for the future, life has purpose, it has an end, it's meaningful, it's incredible. But if you are disconnected from this, if, if you have not been grafted into this tree, if you're a dead branch just kind of lying there on the side of the road, you're dead. And when, the, and when the second coming of Christ comes, like a quenching fire, it's going to burn up that which has not been saved, that which isn't. You, know, you see these fires going on in California. And they go, boy, we just hope that there's water. Of course, we want some rain. But we also hope that that fire just bumps into some really green patches so it doesn't just burn with the tinder. The green saves We're alive because we're grafted into this living root which gives us all of this power and all of this joy. So as a descendant, be encouraged tonight, this Advent season. You're a descendant of Abraham. You're a descendant of David. You are brother or sister to Jesus. God is your father. Every time you do the Lord's Prayer, you say, my father in heaven. That's right because i'm grafted and this this mysterious way that god has chosen to again in the old testament it says often you are my people and i am your god but then during times of heightened disobedience god says you are no longer my people and i am no longer your god and the passages tonight said stand firm in your adoption Stay tight with your father. Walk in a manner worthy of that gospel that has saved you. Stay close with God because you could drift. And don't because there's life in the family and there's death separated from it. By the way, just just to close, the Apostle John said, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Paul said in Romans nine, "It's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring." Galatians three: "It's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And then in John 1, verse 11. Jesus came to his own, his physical family tree, and his own people did not receive him. It's the Jews. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And that spirit he puts into us, Romans eight sixteen bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. My encouragement to you, it, Christianity is not a belief system, it's not a moral code, it's not just what good Americans do because you know we want to be conservative. Being a Christian, Jesus is coming back for family. That's simply it. Are you family? Have you been grafted in? If you go, no, I've just always considered Jesus to be like some nice principles that I agree with. need to be born again into the family well how do i do that well when the apostle peter when they challenged the apostle peter said what must i do to be saved the apostle peter said you need to repent be baptized and receive the holy spirit repent be baptized receive the holy spirit if that's not you would you please get grafted because it's amazingly wonderful if you have been grafted, stay tight, long for the coming of Christ, and share that gospel with people as we await eagerly the coming. We're gonna receive an offering right now. Um, as we do, we're gonna sing another song of Advent. It says, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And then we'll spend a brief time in prayer, and then we'll head to the Lord's table. Uh, but even as the offering is being received, would encourage you to uh, prayerfully consider where you stand with God. And if you say, I just feel the pulse of that healthy root through my system, I am saved and I love my God, praise the Lord. Thank him for that. But if you have any doubt, anything in your life that's discouraging you it says, I'm not even sure that I'm that connected with God. I just want to encourage you to pray that through as well and consider being bold enough to share that with somebody before you go tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. It's, it's amazing. It is a mystery to us, but as it's unfolded in the pages, it warms our hearts to you. Thanks that we're your children. And we do pray, God, uh, with all of our heart, with all of our intent, even so, come, Lord Jesus, we long to see you. And receive this offering, Lord, uh, the first fruits of that which you have provided for us. We pray that you would use it, God, to help more and more people uh, be grafted in to the true family of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint, let every nation shout up your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we say, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so come Lord Jesus come There will be justice All will be new Your name forever Faithful and true Jesus is coming soon Like a bride waiting for her groom will be a church Ready for you Every heart Longing for our King We sing Even so come Lord Jesus come Even so come Lord Jesus come so we wait we wait for you God we wait you're coming soon so we wait so we wait we wait for you God we wait you're coming Soon, like a bride waiting for her groom, will be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing. Like a bride waiting for her. Ready for you, every heart longing for our King. We sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so come, Lord Jesus.